Thank you very much, Karen. Let's pray together. Father, until it becomes a reality where we're in your presence, the presence of Christ. And as Karen sang, we can cry out, holy, holy, holy. Until that time, we want to be faithful. We want to be yielded to you, surrendered to you, just walking with you day by day. As we interact with your word, we want to be obedient to your word. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Part of living a life that is good, that is pleasing to God, involves what we discussed last week and what we'll deal with again this week. Just being healthy as a local church, and that involves and families, and that involves individuals. We know that a healthy church <clears throat> is passionate about corporate body life. And that ties in with a song we sang a little bit ago. Passionate about corporate shepherding. And passionate about corporate worship. And this morning we want to focus on one of those three, and that is corporate shepherding. Healthy local churches require shepherding. And that's a term that is probably somewhat rare in our world today, even in the church world. Shepherding, I think, is one of the core elements of a healthy local church, along with corporate body life, and corporate worship. Therefore, we want to, again, discuss shepherding. And if we're going to understand shepherding, there's some foundational truths that we don't want to miss. First of all, the body of Christ is a body. You say, what's so profound about that? The body of Christ is a body. It's not a business. It's not a team. It's not a corporation. Nothing wrong with a team, a business, or a corporation, but the body of Christ is a body. And that makes a difference in how you live and how you respond. A body has a common life, common DNA. Christ is our life. The Spirit of God is at work within us. A body has a head, and the head is Christ. He's life. The body is composed of many members that contribute to the body. Each one contributing according to the design. Romans chapter 12, 3 through 8. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Ephesians 4, all tying with the body, having a head, a common life, and the various members being contributors, giving. That stands in contrast to a business, a corporation, or a team, where there's individual DNA. Each individual has their DNA. They come to a business. They come to a corporation. They come to a team. But it's still individual DNA. There's a leader, or there might be a CEO. There might be a coach, but not a head, who is the life 
of the body. And overall, there's a tendency, and that's the way businesses, teams, and corporations tend to be. It's fine. There tends to be much more of a consumer mindset rather than a body mindset. And that's fine. But the body of Christ is a body. Secondly, the terms used for those who lead the body are elder, pastor, or shepherd, bishop, or overseer, not leader, CEO, coach, owner, or boss. Again, nothing wrong with those other terms, but in the body, those who lead, elder, pastor, bishop, And again, that is significant. Thirdly, church leaders are not to make something happen, produce growth, but care for believers so they can contribute to the body in their severe of giftedness and their severe of life daily. So leaders, shepherd, care for believers, build them up, minister to them, so that can people can be husbands and wives and parents and children, go to jobs, relate to family members, relate to a co-worker, relate to another student. The body of Christ is a body. Terms used for leaders are elder, pastor, bishop. And church leaders are to help believers to live well in their daily living. So let's take our Bibles and go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John's gospel, we find at the beginning of John's gospel, John speaks about Christ and who he is. At the end of the book, the resurrection takes place. And between there, we find that Jesus teaches and he ministers. He does miracles, all demonstrating who he is. And when we get to John chapter 10, we find that Jesus is speaking of himself. We'll begin reading with verse 1. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Now, what would have happened in Bible times? You would have had some type of enclosure. Sometimes there were rocks and then brush stacked on the top, and the sheep would go in there at night, and you would have a doorway. And sometimes the shepherd would sleep in the doorway or entryway, or maybe some brush would be put in there to keep any intruders from coming. But the man who does not enter the sheepfold or pen by the gate climbs in some other ways, a thief and a robber. Verse 2. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they do not follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Now notice the terms that refer to relationships. In verse 3, towards the middle of the verse, 
The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. In verse 4, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. There's a relationship between sheep and shepherd. And I read the account of a shepherd or or someone traveling in the Mideast. And as they were traveling, they observed a group of shepherds coming together, five or six shepherds talking together. And the sheep from the various flocks mingled together. And the person who was observing did not understand a lot about sheep. And he asked in his mind, how in the world are they going to separate the sheep? You know, when they want to go their separate ways. Well, one shepherd started off and he called his sheep and they followed him. Another shepherd started off going in a different direction and his sheep followed him. Another shepherd goes in a different direction and his sheep follow him. And the fourth shepherd goes in another direction, and the sheep follow him. Sheep. Know the shepherd's voice. And they follow. And I'm talking literal, physical sheep. Many times today in our country, you know, a sheep might be in a pasture, they don't have a shepherd, you know, they have a fence around and so on. But he's talking in a different context here. Reading on in verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said to them, they didn't understand what he was telling them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life. And have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now Jesus is beginning with an illustration of sheep, shepherd, a sheepfold, And then he says, I'm the gate. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Again, the idea of relationship at the end of verse 10. They may have life and have it to the full. Relationship very strong in verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus laying down his life for sheep. He goes on in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. I want you to pick up on that. Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. The relationship between God and Jesus as you read the Gospel of John, particularly the Gospel of John, along with the other Gospels, is very close, very intimate. But he says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Like the Father knows me and I know the Father. Talking about a deep, intimate relationship between Jesus and his sheep. 
Jesus and believers. In verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. I'm not going to comment to any extent on sheep that are not of this pen. But in light of parallel passages, may tie in with the Gentiles being brought into the fold. Whereas the Jews were thinking Jews alone. Verse 17, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from the Father. And then we know that, again, the Jews are divided in verse 19 and so on because of what Jesus is saying. And he's identifying himself with the Father. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life and so on. But in the context, Jesus is presenting himself as the shepherd, as he leads his sheep, as he gives his life, as he is the gate. And you will find the illustration, if you please, of sheep and shepherd used a number of places in Scripture for the body of Christ also. With that thought in mind, let's go over to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. When we get to Acts chapter 20, we know that the day of Pentecost has taken place. We know that the church has begun. The church in Jerusalem had experienced some persecution and they spread out and other people are coming to Christ and Paul had ministered. And here Paul is traveling and he asked the elders the church leaders from Ephesus to come to him. And in verse 17 of Acts 20, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the providence of Asia. I've served the Lord with great humility and with tears although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. I only know that in every city... The Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus had given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And when Paul says, if only I may finish your race, it ties in with what what Karen sang earlier, well done. And Paul says, I've been faithful. I've been living well and responding well. Verse 25, now I know that none of you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. 
And again, he's speaking to the elders in Ephesus, and he says, be shepherds of the church of God. Well, I'm sorry, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. It's interesting that Paul shares his testimony, how he has lived and how he has responded. And then he says to the elders, keep watch over yourself. Take care of your own life. Live well. And then, keep watch over the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, and then be shepherds. The imagery that is presented in John chapter 10, Paul uses in Acts 20 as he talks to the elders in Ephesus and how they were to be involved with the church, keeping watch over their life. Only as one takes care of their own life can they minister to others effectively, oversee, and be a shepherd. Now, with those thoughts in mind, let's go over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter's writing to the various churches where believers are going through persecution and difficulty and teaching them how to live. And the persecution and difficulty wasn't coming from the government, but coming from neighbors, co-workers, and so on. But in chapter 5 and verse 1, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. Again, shepherding, shepherding, being seen. Believers being called God's flock. The flock being under the shepherd's care. Not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Some pretty strong terminology for leaders. A shepherd the flock, not because you must, you're willing. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted you, but being examples. Again, the idea of shepherding, one of the three Legs of, in light of our illustration last week, of a tripod of a healthy church. And that ties in with families. And as you think about shepherding, 
I want you to think about pastors. I want you to think about elders. I want you to think about deacons and ministry leaders and husbands and fathers. All of those individuals having a shepherding responsibility. The passages we discussed would tie in primarily with the local church. But you look at that parallel passages, husbands and fathers have a great shepherding responsibility. And as we think about shepherding, we think about the flock and the passages we referred to, describing that relationships between leaders and between believers is core. Relationships. You can't have a flock and you can't have leaders, you can't have a family and a husband or father without relationships. And relationships can't be at a distance. Talk about caring, hands-on, interacting, no eyeball to eyeball, but relationships. Also tied in with Pastor and elders, and I think also husbands and fathers, and just the idea of leading, feeding, mending, rebuking, correcting, teaching, encouraging. See, sheep, we as sheep by nature struggle. We need shepherds that care for us, that help us, through the difficulties of life, through the victories of life. Sometimes we talk about difficulties of life. Several families in our church went through difficulty this week in terms of death. We think of someone coming alongside and helping. But think about the successes of life. We also need shepherding through the victories and successes of life so that they do not become gods in our life. And the things halfway between. Feeding, mending, rebuking, correcting, teaching, encouraging. And then believers, the flock respecting, holding in highest regard, imitating the faith of their leaders, husband or father, obeying, submitting to their authority, accepting, again, rebuke and teaching and correction. And just being willing to be transformed. That's all tied in with shepherding. And I think there's a big one that in our country we tend to squish. That for the body to be the body, pastors, elders, teachers, husbands, fathers, believers, being willing to live under authority. Being willing to live under authority. Pastor, elders, leaders living under God's authority, recognizing they will be accountable to God for how they lead. Leaders will stand before God someday and give an account for their leadership. Believers being willing to live under authority, giving an account for how they respond to that. 
because of our American mindset. Sometimes we think that if we can do the right thing politically, we can get our leaders to do what we want. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. But that carries over to the church sometimes. Well, if we put enough pressure, we can get church leaders or I can get mom or dad or I can get my husband to do what I want them to do. See, the flock is responsible for following the shepherd, not for dictating to the shepherd. Children are responsible for listening to their fathers, not dictating to the fathers. The whole idea for leaders and for followers to live under authority, that's core to shepherding. So what is a shepherd? Whether it be a pastor, whether it be an elder, be a deacon and they have some shepherding responsibilities or a ministry leader or a husband or a father. A shepherd loves his sheep, John 10. A shepherd loves his sheep, cares for them, committed to them, period. Just loves his sheep. Not in it for money. He's not in it for gain. He's doing it willingly in light of what First Peter says. A shepherd is a watchman. Now, what's coming? What dangers are there? What enemy be a, may be approaching? We're not talking physical enemies, but no in life. Talking to someone recently, and I said, in light of what you're going through, you need to be careful. Probably in the next couple of weeks, you'll be tempted to be bitter. What was I doing being a watchman? So when a father says to a teenage daughter, I don't want you to hang with this guy. And the reason I don't want you to hang with this guy is because he's bad news. I recognize it. And I'm your watchman. A shepherd guards and protects from enemies. How to respond to trials, how to respond to prosperity, <clears throat> how to respond to death, and just the struggles that come into daily life. Guards and protects and helps them through difficulty. A shepherd is a guide, leading in how to be holy, and how to make decisions. A father <coughs> being a guide to his children. A shepherd is a physician. What's a physician tries to do? Take care of the ills that come you know, in life. And in real life, a physician helps us physically. A shepherd in the spiritual realm tries to help with sin struggles, temptations, and so on, and how to live and how to respond. The shepherd is a rescuer. What happens sometimes? Sheep, believers, wander off away from the fold, away from Christ. The shepherd seeks to bring them back because he's a rescuer. The shepherd is a feeder, provides what is needed for the sheep. And one that I think is very, very critical, that a shepherd prays for his sheep. 
whether it be a pastor, whether it be an elder, whether it be a deacon, whether it be a Sunday school teacher or a husband or a father, faithfully praying according to where people are, just praying. Relationships involve, and I'm talking two-way streets, shepherd sheep, availability, trust, commitment. Remember? The good shepherd doesn't run away when the enemy comes. Cares the sheep, he remains. It involves being with. Openness. Unconditional love and acceptance. One of the greatest powers in the world is to be loved. Period. Because that frees people to be open. I can share. I can let my hair down, so to speak. I I can let them know my struggle. I can tell them, here's where I'm doing well and I'm being tempted in this direction. And knowing that I'm not going to be yelled at, but I'm going to be loved and accepted. Now, let me give an illustration of that. 16 or 17-year-old son comes home. And he is thinking in his mind, do I talk to dad or don't I talk to dad? How's dad going to respond? I know I did wrong. I know I did what he told me not to. And I know I'm probably going to be in trouble. And he probably has one of two things going through his mind, depending on the father, his shepherd, One scenario would be, I don't want to share with dad because if I share with dad, he's going to yell, he's going to chew me out, he's just going to rake me across the coals, he's going to say no to everything for the next months and months and months. And he'll never accept me. That's one scenario. Or going through his mind, he'd be thinking, I know dad loves me, I know dad accepts me, I know he cares for me. I know he's committed to me unconditionally. I can be open with him. I can say, Dad, I blew it. It was wrong. I sinned. I disobeyed you. And I know that Dad will say, Son, you were wrong. I love you and I care for you. And here's where you went wrong. Here's where you get off track. I saw this coming, but you wouldn't listen to my rebuke and my correction weeks and months ago. And you ended up where you are. So you are where you are. Let's pick up where you are. What must you do to correct this situation? See, that's shepherd sheep. Where there's a freedom to go. There's a freedom to respond. Now think about your life and think about Christ and think about the body of Christ. Within the body of Christ, 
God desires for us to be free to admit wrong, to admit struggle, to admit temptation, and so on, and still be loved and accepted. As you think about leaders and followers, think about pastors and elders and deacons, husbands, fathers, a genuine care and a genuine response. And that's something that is worked at and kept at or keep struggling with. But that's part of the sheep. Shepherd relationship. A number of years ago, a man came to me and he said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. But go ahead. And I could tell he was really hesitant and he's antsy, you know, and he just kind of wasn't sure he should talk to me. So go ahead and Share, you probably won't surprise me. And if you do surprise me, I want you to know I still love you and I accept you. I will accept you. And he started to let the cat out of the bag a little bit. And I uh, asked a couple of questions. And he get done sharing his sin. And I said to the guy, I want you to know I love you and I care for you. And because of the nature of it, the stops between you and me. Never told another person about it. To this day, I haven't, and I don't plan to. What did the guy realize? That I loved him. Period. That's free. Within the body. Leaders loving, believers loving, parents loving, dads and husbands loving and caring has a tremendous impact. And this was driven home to me when I talked to an individual about his immorality. Lovingly and confronted him and lovingly told him he was off track. And in the midst of his being off track, his midst, in the midst of going down the wrong path, I wrote him a note. I just said, dear. It was a very short note. I just said, I want you to know I love you. I want you to know I care for you. But you're going down the wrong path. When you come to the end of yourself, at least come and talk to me. Because I care about you. And later on, he did get on the right path. But in the process, before he came to himself, he was talking to someone. He pulled out his wallet. And he pulled out a note. And he said to the individual, my pastor wrote this to me. He loves me but he don't condone what I'm doing. 
shepherd sheep. Very, very important in a healthy church. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for Christ being our shepherd, the good shepherd, the one who laid down his life for us. Whether it be myself or whether it be the rest of us here this morning, we know we're sheep. We need a shepherd. We know we're loved and cared for by you. So in our victories, in our successes, in our struggles, in our sin, may we as a body, as leaders, as followers, more and more display your will, your design for sheep-shepherd relationship. May we grasp what that looks like as a body and seeing ourselves as a body. We thank you for how you've worked in us in the past and so many ways. We desire to be sensitive to you in the future as you continue to work in us. We love you. We want to be faithful. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.